Welcome to Miss Connections. We're both Elizabeth. I'm Elizabeth Via, aka Lizzie. And I'm Elizabeth Wyndham, aka Beth. Miss Connections is a podcast that explores our longing to connect and the circumstances that stand in our way. Each episode will bring a true story of a misconnection and an expert guest to help us unpack the themes of the story so that we can all get better at making real meaningful connections that feel good to us. That's why we started this show. After a series of our own misconnections in dating, friendships, and family relationships, we decided to get some help. You know what time it is? It's time for another misconnections mini. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> A different type of episode where we're bringing more voices, more perspectives, and expanding upon the conversations we get to have around connection. This week's mini is actually more of a part two to our latest episode, I Lost You Over Time Like Coffee Dripping Through a Chemex, with Dr. Niobe Way. Go listen to it now if you haven't already. In that episode, we talked about the bigger picture cultural reasons behind the male friendship recession and how cultivating safe environments to be curious can help foster connection for boys, men, and everyone, really. Today, we're going to talk to another expert on male friendships and emotional intimacy to dive further into how adult men today can understand the lack of close friendship they might be experiencing and then work to build them. Dr. Frederick Rabinowitz is a professor and chair of the psychology department at the University of Redlands. He's also a licensed psychologist whose practice focuses on working with men in therapy. Dr. Rabinowitz has led men's groups in Redlands since 1986 and regularly consults with others who lead male retreats, groups, and other male-oriented enterprises. Fred has authored or co-authored five books and many articles on men and masculinity. His books include Man Alive, A Primer of Men's Issues, Men and Depression, Deepening Psychotherapy with Men, Deepening Group Psychotherapy with Men, and Breaking Barriers in Counseling Men. I'm very happy to welcome Dr. Frederick Rabinowitz to Misconnections. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Yes, Dr. Rabinowitz, we're so grateful to you for being on Misconnections. We're excited to talk today about close male friendship and emotional intimacy, what's being defined or referred to as the male friendship recession, and how to build closer, more emotionally intimate friendships. But before we do, I want to start by asking you to help us define close friendship. What does it look like for men specifically, and what's the difference between friends and close friends? I think a lot of guys think they have friends. But a lot of the friendship is defined differently than this deeper emotional bonding. What we've typically trained boys to do is to be side by side, you know, to work together, to play sports, to watch games, to go to social gatherings or party together. But the the actual interaction part of it is not that emphasized. So oftentimes when I'm you know, at a party or I'm listening to my male friends, we might be talking about something external, something outside of ourselves. And everybody contributes, but you have to infer how someone really feels about it. It's not as it's not as direct. And so I think that sharing your own process, even sharing deep sadness or sharing conflict is oftentimes viewed as being weak or ineffective. 
there's also a shame that gets built in for guys. So if I share with you that I'm really sad or I share with you that I'm really hurting, it feels like I have failed. And so in order to avoid the failure, let's talk about the Dodgers. Let's talk (laughs) about football. Let's talk about anything except what's really going on internally with me. Wow. That's very helpful (laughs) to have that context because I think navigating and wanting to prevent shame is a very human thing to do, Mm -hmm. you know, but there seems to be some sort of kind of loss in that action when you're not willing to be vulnerable. So in the context of like male friendships, what else do you think is lost when they don't have those close friendships and what is gained when they do? So to me, what's lost is like a feedback loop. You know, Mm -hmm. I think people are more, and I think guys are more susceptible to social media, to looking at their phones, looking at their computers, to watching TV, to watching porn, whatever it is Mm -hmm. that is kind of going to engage them. And what they don't get is any kind of real sense of how they're being perceived in the world, how they're impacting the other person. And one of the things that I think we don't do is really teach boys and men how to be friends with each other. And so mm-hmm. what happens is it's hit and miss. Oh, I have a great friend. So I'm so lucky because you know this happened. But it feels like a luck thing, not a conscious effort. There isn't this conscious effort to say, you know, I really like this guy. We should get closer. I'm going to go do something with him. And I'm going to share a little bit more of myself than I normally would because I feel like there's something there that would be valuable to me. We don't even talk like that. That sounds weird for me to even talk like that. That's so interesting because it sounds like when close friendship isn't valued or encouraged, lucking into it might be the primary way to have it. But why is that? Why isn't it really something that's more intentional? And what's the impact of that? Yeah, those are great questions. And and again, I want to say something that we're trying to generalize a little bit. And in reality, everybody is complex. That's one of the things that I like teach my students and also that I always have to remember when someone comes and I encounter somebody new, you never know what you're going to get. You know, people are complex and they have depth. So at the same time, I'll, I'll say that I think culturally we have a kind of ambivalence about being too close with someone who doesn't fit one of the categories. And so you know, the category of like best friend is typically goes to a partner, whether you're straight or queer, it doesn't matter. It's just like, that's where we say, that's where you do all your, your home cooking. That's the spot. (laughs) But what it does, it puts a lot of pressure on that relationship Mm -hmm. to be everything. And one of the ways I've thought about this is that what we need is a variety of relationships so that wherever you are in your life, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, that there's going to be some sort of connection in the present with another person. And that that in itself is healthy. Some of those will develop into deeper relationships, but if you're just open, certain things are gonna happen. So I was playing poker last night with a bunch with some guys and it was interesting, it was out in a casino, this woman was asking me about my work as do working with men. And so I just started being really open about 
some of the issues and like how hard it is when guys are going through separation and divorce. And this guy who's sitting at the table who I never met before, a young guy, probably in his early thirties was like, you know, that's what I'm going through right now. And he just starts talking. And I knew that what had happened was that we had opened the door for that to be okay to talk about. It's really hard to take the risk to be open. Mm-hmm. I think as you get older, it's, you know, you're, everybody has their own life. Everybody has their own families. Everybody has their own jobs. And I think the pandemic really exacerbated that was like, okay, now it's your world. Look at your computer, interact that way. And I think it really stopped us from wanting to like be in live with another person. And I think there's some reasons why guys, I think heterosexual guys have associated intimacy with sexuality. And I think that we're taught that the heterosexual guys, like you're supposed to only share that stuff kind of with a woman who you're going to have sex with. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like, okay, those go together. And in that case, I think that prevents guys from going to that next level of depth with each other. Yeah. That there's value to uh, their openness and mm-hmm. their sharing and their participation in that close friendship and community. Yes. Yeah. So, Fred, um, <laughs> thinking big picture here, mm-hmm. how could someone start their journey to have more friendships that have more meaningful connection and emotional intimacy in their lives? Like, what's one step that we can encourage our audience to do who want to make that connection? Well, I think I think the first step always is self-awareness. So to be willing to kind of befriend yourself first, which means I, I always use the metaphors like that we have many selves. You know, there's the self that shows up at work. There's the self when you're private by yourself. There's the self who, who's going out into the world, into the supermarket. And so there's all these selves. And I think sometimes what happens is we get over-identified with one aspect of ourselves. And what I what I like to see first is, can you be friends with yourself? If you can be friends with yourself, you can then start to feel comfortable wherever you are. And so, you know, if you have interests, if you're, you know, like I, I like to play poker, so I go play poker and guess what? I made friends playing poker, you know, big revelation. No, it is a big deal because mm-hmm. that's where I put my energy. I also have a group I go play golf with. I've made friends with all the golf guys. They're not all my best friends, but wherever I am, I take myself. And so I have to have that relationship. And so to develop that inner dialogue with oneself, that's not harsh, that's not you're an idiot, or why did you do that? You know, I hear people talk like that. And really it's replacing that voice with, there's a part of me that's feeling uncomfortable right now. Who is that? What part of me is uncomfortable? And then once I start to do that, I can start to go out into the world and realize that other people are complex too. They're not these monolithic, scary, you know, they're going to like try to find out what's wrong with me and expose me, but rather they too have the same kind of needs that I have. And so whether I'm standing in line at the supermarket and I just start talking with the person behind me, there may, that may be the beginning of some sort of encounter. It may just be for that moment but you still get some sort of back and forth. 
I like to go for things like if you're interested, if you're a reader, then, you know, join a book club. Yeah. You know, whatever it is that you're into, take yourself into that venue with the openness of knowing yourself. I don't know. That's a pretty, I mean, it's easier said than done. I'm a therapist. (laughs) And so I have people coming to me all the time who I help facilitate that process. And so even going to counseling or even going to a men's group might be a way for a guy to just sort of put themselves in that environment where this kind of stuff is more likely to be talked about. Mm -hmm. And I liked what you said about your example of, you know, playing poker and the person that you met at the table was that you opened a door for him to walk through. Mm -hmm. And so... And I think I was reading in one of the articles that you were quoted, and I think it was why friendships among men are so important and greater good, and that you were saying, you know, don't be afraid to follow up with just a little a little seed that someone plants about something that's going on in their life. So like, oh, I had a rough morning, like, oh, sorry, yeah. versus like, oh, what was rough about it? Just, you know, looking for opportunities that happen, yes. maybe in those existing friendships where you can just start to develop a new rhythm to those avenues that are already there. Right. And so there may be people in your life already that if you just tune in and pay attention, I even see it in, in you know, long-term Uh, relationships where people kind of get used to each other, sometimes they need a reset and be like, wow, who is this person I'm with? (laughs) Like, what is cool about them? Why am I with them? Like, ask yourself those questions. And all of a sudden you start to be like, oh yeah, I remember when we used to go do those things together. We should do that. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we get into habitual patterns. Again, I don't think the I think the pandemic didn't help things. I see it with the younger people. Their social skills are not as good as as they used to be. Hmm. And they need practice, you know? Yeah. When I go into my classroom and everybody's looking their head down, I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, and I have to make a joke or say something or make a comment and all of a sudden everybody pops up and I, I feel like I bring that energy into the room and then they're all of a sudden they're like that. But it I shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that you need that. It can be that each of us kind of bring that openness to wherever we go. Yeah. I think that we can't be specific enough because I know through, you know, just my own journey of having a first friend that asked good questions and it made me realize like, wait, I wanna I don't wanna be the one here like accepting all of this and not returning it. And it was a challenge because it wasn't, you know, a skill that I had at that time. You know, when we say be curious, like how would you, you know, advise someone to start incorporating that ethic or like value into their relationships? Well, I think the way I would see it would be, you know yourself the best. Like we all know ourselves the best, whether we choose to acknowledge that or not. And so part of it is to see that, you know, you yourself are a complex person. The pre- everybody out there is pretty complex, mm-hmm. you know? And so there's lots to learn about who they are and what they are. And it may be that you have your own agenda. Hey, I want to have somebody I can go do stuff with. And so it may be really important for me, you know, to my office mate over there who's new to go, hey, what do you like to do? What kinds of things are you into? What, what, what's it about? And that's a very surface thing. And then once you say, yeah, let's go out and have a drink after work, 
while you're sitting down having a drink after work, you might be then go like, so what do you do with the rest of your time? Or, mm -hmm. you know, how was the transition to coming over to our work from where you were before? Or where did you grow up? Any of those things can just start the storytelling that someone can share. And all of a sudden you start to realize that, you know, you have more things usually in common with somebody than, you know, like you hear something, you go, I can't relate to that. No, usually you can relate to it. Storytelling is important. I love that. I mean, I just think about all the times sitting with people and hearing just the mundane stories of their childhood or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of creates a depth. And just as a little side note, this whole conversation has really brought up a moment in a friendship that I had with somebody where they called me in because they were always vulnerable with me, but I was always the advice giver. And so they finally sat me down and they were like, hey, Beth, I've never seen you cry. I've never seen you get vulnerable. Like, what are you thinking and feeling? I was so grateful because I learned in that moment that I hadn't been a good friend in a sense and that I had room to grow in my friendships. And I'm constantly learning how to be a better friend and be vulnerable and be open. Yeah, no, that's beautiful because I, I agree. I think, you know, I do a lot of teaching counselors and therapists and so, or future counselors and therapists, and they, a lot of them have that, that dynamic going mm -hmm. where it's like, it's much easier for me to ask the question. It's much easier for me to be empathic with, with you and facilitate you and not share much of myself. And as I've gotten older, I've just decided that even in my therapy practice, I am much more of an open person because I think openness begets openness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it makes me more real, it makes me more vulnerable. And I feel like, like I feel more whole when I'm out in the world where I can be both a facilitator, but also be the one who can share what's going on inside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think vulnerability is one of those things that, at least as someone who wouldn't say that, you know, I'm enthusiastic about it necessarily, <laughs> um, uh, the vulnerability is one of those things where initially can feel really uncomfortable, but that there can be a little glimmer of a payoff. And if you pay attention to that, it can foster or like it can really accumulate over time in terms of that you start to give a little more start to see a little bit more of that benefit and then it can kind of grow piece by piece and really start to, you know, impact in a greater way, but not in a way that needs to be sitting down with someone and being like, here's all the messy parts you should know about me from A to Z, but right. in bite-sized pieces that you yeah. can handle, they can handle, and that grows in a meaningful way over time. And I think that, you know, obviously our goal here is about connection and a big piece of this specific topic of close male friendships. And we're so grateful for you joining us uh, today for coming on the podcast. We really, really appreciate your time and your expertise. Thanks for having me, Lizzie and Beth. This was great. I enjoyed the interaction and I feel closer to you. <laughs> we love that. Yes, yeah. yes I do too. <laughs> 
Thank you, Dr. Rabinowitz, for coming on the podcast. Dr. Rabinowitz is currently working on a book entitled Strength with Heart, A Guide to Expanding the Male Internal Operating System that he is co-writing with fellow psychologist Dr. Daniel Ellenberg. We'll be sure to share that with you as soon as it's ready. In the meantime, check out his other books, which are linked in the show notes. This is Miss Connections. Thanks for listening. I'm Elizabeth Wyndham. And I'm Elizabeth Via. Special thanks to this week's guest, Dr. Frederick Rabinowitz. Miss Connections is co-hosted, produced, and edited by us, the Elizabeths, Elizabeth Via and Elizabeth Wyndham. Our theme music is Feeling by Danielle Musto. Have a Miss Connections story to share with us? Email us at elizabeths at mistconnectionspod.com. And please follow, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube.